0: I'm here with Dasha Maximov. She's the founder and CEO at WealthCo, a member of the Board of Advisors at Sana Health, former COO at the Health Optimization Summit, and former master's student at UCL, the number one program for a master's in neuroscience in the world. In 2017, she shifted away from management consulting into academia with an ultimate purpose to share the wealth, educating and exploring women's health and biohacking. This podcast is powered by Biostrap, the most clinically validated wearable device, health, and sleep tracker. With Biostrap, you can count on research-grade biometric analysis to make the best evidence-based decisions unique to you regarding all things health and fitness. I wear my Biostrap every day. They're HIPAA-compliant platform allows me to monitor exactly how my physiology responds to all of the lifestyle habits, wellness protocols, and biohacks I implement in my daily routine, and through their advanced remote monitoring platform, I get to see the same for the people I follow in app. No matter where my clients, closest friends, or family members are in the world, I can see exactly how their physiology is responding to all my advice recommendations, and everything else that I learned through the awesome guests I get to host on this podcast. It's the ultimate tool for getting to know your physio. For the nerds, aka most of you guys, here is a scientific breakdown of the device that you can surely appreciate. So raw waveform data enables in-depth analysis of your health using powerful cloud-based algorithms. Proprietary red and infrared optimal sensors capture high signal-to-noise and high-resolution Photoplethysmography or PPG measurements from deep beneath the skin up to 10 times deeper than green light to extract reliable biometrics. The proprietary pulse engine assesses each pulse wave versus 29 unique parameters to provide processed data with the highest data integrity and reliability and trending nocturnal biometric data provides the ultimate insight into positive or maladaptive physiological changes. Data integrity is of the utmost importance when relied upon for risk stratification, data-driven decision-making, and progress monitoring. BioStrap is referenced in 14 publications and 22 clinical studies validating biometric measurements against gold standard medical diagnostic equipment and applied use cases for specific medical conditions. When it comes to your personal health, fitness, and performance, it counts to interpret and apply only the most reliable evidence-based data unique to you. That's why I choose Biostrap and why I recommend it invariably to all my friends, family, clients, fans, and followers who are curious about their biometric data as they get to know their physio. So you can go to biostrap.com and use code UNDRESS10 to get 10% off your entire order. That's biostrap.com, B-I-O-S-T-R-A-P.com and use code UNDRESS10. A-N-D-R-E-S and the number 10 to get 10% off your entire order. One more time, that's biostrap.com, B-I-O-S-T-R-A-P.com, code UNDRESS10 for 10% off your entire order. Hope you guys enjoy and I'll see you on the other side. To the show, Dasha. Pleasure. Thank you, ha- pleasure thank to have you. you.
1: Thanks so much. It was really fun.
0: Yeah. So tell us why do you do what you do? Ooh, tell us your story. How much time do we <laughs> got?
1: Well, <laughs> let's let's say in a nutshell, I I was frustrated. I was very, very frustrated because my mom had thyroid cancer, my mom had breast cancer. I saw that, that could be my future and I was not okay with that. So My own story, we all have our own personal stories, but that's where it started of saying, hey, maybe I have more control over my body than somebody who sees me for 20 minutes, right? Or maybe I should be more curious about what's going on because I can change it. My own story, I've had brain injuries, and that's how I got into biohacking from my own pain story, if you will. But first and foremost, it was making sure that I had a better future than than what my mom had seen. And thank goodness for modern medicine, because my mom is still alive and doing well. But also, knowing that there could have been things that we could have done differently, had we been more informed.
0: And when you were proceeding on this journey, taking your health into your own hands, did you look to scientific research? Did you ultimately see from the very beginning that women were underrepresented? Or did you maybe omit that and just follow through with maybe research that was done on men. You know, how did you proceed with that with that research if you if you had a chance to look at that early on?
1: Yeah, that came later. Yeah, okay. right. I mean, research, and I'd love to get into that. But for me, from a personal perspective, and this is what I tell my clients as well, is start with your pain point, right? Don't just go and follow the influencers and say, oh, I need to have this latest supplement or whatever. It's what is causing you to not feel 100%. And if that's your low energy, focus on that. If that's, in my case, it was anxiety, depression, and the brain injury. That was what it was for me. For other people, it could be, oh, I really want to get my HRV to this level, or whatever it is, right? But start with your pain point. Because for me, because I was really trying to understand what was going on with my brain injury, I delved into all right, I'm going to be my own guinea pig. I'll be my own experiment. Let's try this. Let's try that. Do I feel better? And then once I started really saying, okay, I want to learn more about the science behind it, then I started going into the research, right? But I didn't start with the research. I started with what's going to make me feel good tomorrow.
0: Right, so so it was more like a day to day. It wasn't like following the data, seeing what worked over the course of several months or several years. Just doing what feels good on a day to day basis was readily accessible to you in that present moment.
1: Correct. And yeah, it wasn't the I didn't follow the quantified self movement. Okay, I I was
0: actually about to ask you. Yeah, so when did the because it seems like this was a qualitative approach from the get go? But when did you start to implement more of the quantitative stuff? And then when did it become? the right blend of the two, so to speak. Yeah. When did you start to do a little bit of both?
1: It became more, I, I started quantifying things more when I would go to doctors and they would ask me, all right, well, how did you feel a month ago? And I didn't have an answer. And so because I wanted to have better answers to doctors when they asked me these questions, I started basically, write the basic stuff. I started writing things down on a piece of paper. I had a journal and it was just, how did I sleep on a scale of one to five? How is my energy? Can I have a conversation for more than 20 minutes? Or is my energy super depleted, right? Oh, okay, well, I ate that food. How did I feel the next day? So it was a journal first. And then when I got into this nerdy, techie, biohacky world, I realized that there's a lot easier way to do it, which is with wearables and with an aura ring or a bio strap or using those things that could correlate more things for me rather than me doing it on paper on my own. But just to go back to the, the question before, before we keep going on research, because what you mentioned in, in my intro is completely right. I, I got into biohacking from my own pain point, and I was doing my master's, which I had to subsequently stop doing because I couldn't concentrate because I had such a brain injury. And for me, once I got into the biohacking space and we created this beautiful summit in London, I realized that our we had three speakers who were women out of 40 and none wow. of those speakers focused on women's health they all were subject matter experts in their own fields which was wonderful but none of them none of them spoke about women's health and so that's where I started saying wait 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 hold up let's start looking into this because surely we're different than our male counterparts we have a completely different 28 day or plus minus cycle, we have a completely different life cycle. And so when I started looking into research, that's where it became a aha moment. (laughs) So for, for those who don't know, clinical research is, is quite difficult, and quite laborious and time consuming, and, 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 and it is, it requires a lot of times they won't go to Human trials, obviously, they first start with animal trials, and then down the line, there's human trials. Now, those human trials can be very difficult and can result in, in poor outcomes for the people who are part of those trials. So back in, just a little history lesson, back in 1977, the FDA and the research, it wasn't the FDA, excuse me, it was another research body in the States excluded all women from clinical trials. In 1977. So criminal. that's our parents' generation. The fun, well, see, yes, it, it is criminal and
0: it also <laughs> makes sense
1: because what happened that, that spurred that off was there was a sedative called thalidomide, thalidomide that a lot of women were put on or they were included in the trials. And those women who were pregnant during the trials who were on this sedative, they ended up having their children were, de- were born deformed. And so it makes sense why there was such a, a fear of including pregnant women in trials. Because if you include them in the trials for a sedative or for any other type of drug, who knows what's going to be the consequence, right, for the kids down the line. So it made sense. But that being said, then things like Ambien were tested only on men. Women, we metabolize drugs slower. Our liver is slower oftentimes. And so therefore, Women were taking the same dose as men and they were falling asleep at the wheel with Ambien, right? So then they had to cut the dose in the 90s. So back to the history lesson, right? 1977, women were excluded from phase one and phase two trials. Then fast forward to 1986, they finally said, hold up, hold up. We're missing a whole piece of the puzzle. Let's include the women in trials. But they still didn't have a lot of women included in trials until 1990. And then only in 1993 did they make it a law to say women had to be included in trials. So if we, if we ask the question of why are women, why is science behind the times for women? Now we start piecing the, the puzzle together and we start realizing, okay, well, only until 1993 were women actually forced, not forced, but there was a law put in place to say you have to include women in trials. So. We're 20 years, 30 years back with respect to studying just women. The other thing to think about with with research, and I'll I'll pause after this, is that when we think about researching women, women are different. We're different throughout the course of the month. We are four different women. Our hormones change every single week. So I'm not the same woman that I was a week ago. My hormones are different. I act differently. I feel differently my experience of the world, my ability to think, my ability to have a great workout, my ability, et cetera, et cetera. There's the way that I go through the world is different. And that's just over the course of the month. In addition, as women, we also are different over the course of our life cycle. We have, we're prepubescent, pubescent, pubescent, then in in the times when we potentially could get pregnant, right, which is a three-decade time span, potentially, whether you're pregnant or not, whether you're lactating, whether you're perimenopausal, and only your menopausal. So that's seven.
0: That <laughs> I is mean, I'm just thinking like, man, like as, as a man, you know, we just <laughs> like, it's incredible how underrepresented women are not just in a research setting, but maybe as a result of the research. I mean, now you have this sort of like man's world, you know, the work environment And I think I had a conversation about this with Kayla, who I look forward to having on the podcast in in, in a couple of months, but she was just describing this concept of, you know, this is a man's world, the way that our jobs are set up, our work schedules, nine to five jobs, everything is consistent. And women today, it's very difficult to accommodate to that cycle. But if women consider their unique female biorhythm, they can actually capitalize and design their lives around that unique biorhythm to be more productive certain times of the month, maybe take it easier other times of the month. So it's a superpower, but it can also be a detriment if you're not aware of that cycle. So would you mind expanding on that sort of man's world concept, really putting into perspective the difference and the discrepancy there?
1: Yeah. So I think I'll focus on the health side of things. There is the idea, like you just mentioned, of the day, the day-to-day right men are they can go you guys can go and that's incredible you're ready to just pummel through things every single day have the same amount of energy you do well with consistency so before we actually get into the health side of things from the work side that makes perfect sense 9 to 5 is fantastic for you come in work every single day go hard put in put in those hours put in the effort you can do that women We have been forced to do that because that's how we, that's how we say, okay, we're going to succeed in this, in this world, in this business world. But if you really look to it, like you mentioned, there are different cycles that we're more creative, less creative. We have more energy, less energy. We can think more big picture, less big picture, more in the details, less in the details, right? And so if we as women, that's the first step that I will tell women if they're trying to become optimized right become healthy it's are you tracking your cycle and if the answer is no then that's the first step because based on your cycle you have the ability to understand what your superpower is for that week right whether you're more in the details whether you're big picture and so I think going back to one of the questions that you and I had talked about as well women to some extent we are the original biohackers we have every single month we have the ability. Maybe not all of us have this, but we have the ability to have a monthly report card in the form of our menstruation, right? And so that you can say, "All right, men, you guys don't have that. You you don't have that beautiful natural thing which has been demonized to some extent and has." I'm been laughing when-
0: because I'm really trying my best here to <laughs> to to just appreciate this and understand this as as a man. It's like we take it for granted. And getting into this sort of depth of detail with the biorhythm, with the female biorhythm, it just makes me think, man, like we're just so simple. And it's a shame that it's just so, I mean, the the, the biorhythm is just so underrepresented. You yeah, know? it's and,
1: it's funny because if, if the ties, if, if the roles are flipped, right? And it's kind of funny to think about too. If can men you imagine? If men had a menstrual <laughs> cycle, the entire society would have, oh, we're on day 14, we're on day 10. Like, like it would be, it would be this massive thing that everybody talks about, right? But unfortunately, or, or maybe the tide is, is shifting, right? More women are starting to become more vocal about it, which is fantastic and, and not be as grossed out. I mean, I, I know when I was growing up, it was hush, hush, hush. Don't, don't say anything to anybody. Just say that you have a headache. Or say that you have a stomach ache, right? Whereas now, I think a lot more women are being able able to say, you know what, this week, I'm going to work from home, which is absolutely accurate. And it's a great thing to be able to do, right? So I think by tracking your cycle and saying, okay, wait, A, do I get a, a monthly report card every month? Do I cycle? Do I have a menstruation? The answer is no. And if that has happened for more than three months in a row, then that's a report card telling you something. It could so be telling can, you that you're way too stressed. Go ahead.
0: Well, I was going to say, so you can take this sort of multimodal superpower approach, assuming that you are that you have a regular cycle, right? And that you've laid at that foundation that you're tracking precisely with precision. I mean, how do you track with precision? And how do women know when they've established this foundation from which they can then make specific decisions about what they're going to eat? Whether they're low carb or high carb, whether it's hit training or low intensity, longer duration, whether they're going to fast or not, when they need to prioritize sleep and stress management. So how do they? How do they know when they can make these kinds of decisions?
1: Yeah. So first and foremost, figure out your cycle. Get it on track. Right now, everybody thinks that a cycle has to be twenty eight days. That's erroneous. A good cycle is between twenty four to thirty five days. So you can have a cycle that's 24 days and you're still regular. You're still normal, if you will, right? You can have a cycle that's 34 days and that's fine too. It's a little bit, little bit of a longer cycle. So you're not going to cycle every single month. It'll be nine periods over the course of 12 months. That's also fine, right? But figuring out and working either with a functional medical doctor or working with a coach or something like that to say, all right, how do I get my cycles on track? For me, I usually will have order a Dutch panel test, so hormonal panel test, and you can do either a one stop field, take a urine sample over the course of three days, or if you're really, if you, you've had challenges with your menstruation, menstrual cycle, you can do something which is checking your urine for all 28 days. So that is also quite intensive, but it is going to give you so much information. It's going to be so good for you to be able to see, all right, what is going on with my estrogen, my progesterone, my cortisol levels, all of those things which will come through the report. Dutch stands for Dried Urine Test Comprehensive Hormonal Panel.
0: So it wasn't developed long, by the Dutch.
1: <laughs> it was not developed by the Dutch. No, I thought, that, I thought that for a while.
0: I thought that up until this point that it was like a <laughs> Dutch test. I mean, I've, I've had my functional medicine doctor, my partner do a, a number of these tests with some of our clients and she's a woman and she handles it and she's an expert but i just assumed hey a dutch panel i guess it's originally developed by the dutch no
1: <laughs> no <Nope, nope. laughs> oh excuse what, my ignorance so, no so many people think that too i did as well but it's yeah it stands it's an acronym and men can do it as well so really if you, yes so if you wanted to check for example to see your testosterone levels or your cortisol levels and see what's going on so for example some men they'll have that adrenal fatigue right and by doing a Dutch hormonal panel test because it's it's a pan it's a test for your hormones. It's not a test for female hormones. it's a test for all like right. you know hormones. so men can do it as well, and you can see perhaps you're having that stressed kind of wired but tired feeling right and And it could be that your hormones are off. It could be that your cortisol is completely flatlined because your adrenals are are pumping up so much because you're too stressed and doing too many hit trainings for example, right? right? So men can also do the Dutch. I often will say for women, going back to the question was, get your cycle in check. Get it, figure that out. Now that is in and of itself could be a six month process. It could be a nine month process. So if you're a woman who hasn't cycled, if you're listening to this, don't feel like this is going to be a, oh, bam, I get the Dutch test and, and I'm good to go. No, it could very well be the need to change your foods change your lifestyle, build in more stress management techniques, build in breath work, you know, there could be a number of lifestyle changes that could take some time. So oftentimes, what I'll say with my clients is I'll say, you know, we'll do one test in the beginning, let's work together for three months, and then let's test again, or let's work together for six months and test again, and see what has changed. Because your hormones are, they they do change, and they change quite quickly. So it could be that you completely change a number of lifestyle changes. For example, you start focusing on sleep, you have red lights, you have a cold room, you take magnesium or things like that before you go to bed. And all of a sudden your sleep is much more efficient. And because of that, your body is less stressed and therefore your hormones come back into balance and lo and behold, your cycle comes in back into balance. You know, it's this web. And we all think, oh no, it's I'm just gonna supplement or foods. No, it could actually be you need to get out. At six in the morning, get that sunlight in your eyes,
0: right? right?
1: So once a woman has gotten her cycle more steady and more kind of for her, for her norm. And I want to, I want to emphasize that because it is your norm, right? My cycle varies. I am not always 28 days, but I know that I'm healthy and I, and it's normal for me. Because I track it. So with respect to tracking, there are so many apps out there. There are so many things that t- in today's day and age, in our modern day, we have all these tools that are brilliant for us as women. The femtech, feminine technology industry is booming. I really like Clue as an period tracker app.
0: C-L-U-E.
1: C-L-U-E. That's exactly okay. it. There's another one called In The Flow.
0: Which by is also Vitti.
1: By Alyssa Vitti. I I don't know, I like Clue, I've tried the other ones, but Clue works for me. And it's, you just wake up and, you know, when you cycle, you put in the, the days of your cycle. And it can tell you, okay, I kind of like it because it's a planning guide too, right? I yeah. now know, all right, well, I mean, I've even said no to going to a specific conference because I knew where my cycle was going to be. And I knew that I wouldn't be on my best. And so I was like, yeah. no, I'm not going to be stressed out and extra and feeling FOMO. I'm going to feel like crap if I'm going to go to this conference and and try and push through.
0: And let me ask you, do you think it's sort of like taboo to be open about this with your male colleagues or with someone a kind of group running the conference? Like, what's your approach? I know the answer to this question, but I'm wondering, how do you how do you approach that? How do you communicate that? And what kind of reaction do you get to people that perhaps are not so familiar with this unique biorhythm and how women are four different people throughout the month.
1: Andres, I love this question. Thank you for <laughs> asking this. I love this question.
0: Oh man. Great.
1: So the way I the way I see this is I I have changed my approach. So when I first learned about it, I was like, everybody should know. I should tell everybody. I've softened my approach. Right. I think it depends on your personality, like my own personality, and it depends on with whom I'm speaking, right? So know your audience, as always know your audience. If I'm speaking to somebody who is an older gentleman, who I know is going to get extremely squeamish and not comfortable, I'm not, I'm probably not going to say it, right? If it's somebody who's more in the health space and understands this, then I'm more open. That being said, with respect to, I mean, I, I used to work in corporate America for nine years. I was a management consultant. And even then, and this was years ago, I already started hinting it, at it with my, with my colleagues, my male colleagues, right? And there's different ways to go about it, right? Because all of our male counterparts, you guys all have sisters, mothers, girlfriends, wives. We're 50% of the population. So if, when I, whenever I speak, I always appeal to that of, Hey, listen, I don't think this week is going to be good for me. I'm just going to lay a little low, right? That's how I'll usually say it. And then if somebody prods further and they'll say, Oh, well, why not? I'll say, you know, one week out of the month, I try to, I try to be a little bit more conscious of my energy. Okay. If they prod a little further, then I, then I know that I, am in a potential conversation that could be worthwhile for both of us, right? I love
0: love that. I love that you have those sort of layers to it. And eventually, you can get down to the core, which is, hey, there's actually a science to my decision making. And I just want to be the best version of myself for myself and for this company, or for this project or for this team, etc.
1: Yep. And it's beautiful, because when I started thinking about it more as well, I just I just recently did a a series like a workshop series for a corporate and I incorporated this into it to say hey women you have the ability to have a voice to say this and to change your corporate environment for the future the, the future generation right you can say I mean we as women we're becoming leaders we are the CEOs the COO the CFOs we are the people who can make these decisions can say hey we want to have." sanitary product in our office bathrooms, or we want to be able to tell our colleagues, hey, listen, today I'm, I'm having a mental health day, right? And that's absolutely fine to say. So I think it behooves us as women, as we progress higher up the food chain, to start saying, this is okay, and this is normal. This is absolutely normal, right? So I think I think the other question that we started saying of, what do you do next? So you start tracking it. So that could be with a period tracker app. There's also a thing called your basal body temperature. So your basal body temperature is something that naturally happens throughout your cycle. So oftentimes, I will feel warmer after I ovulate. So four cycles, also just to briefly touch on that. Women, we have what's called the follicular phase. Then we have ovulation, and we have the luteal phase. And then the luteal phase ends with menstruation. So oftentimes people will call it as four phases to the cycle: follicular, ovulation, luteal, menstruation. Sometimes people will say that it's three pha- three phases. It's a little confusing, but the key the key factors for us as women is that those cycles they can be longer, they can be shorter. Ovulation is the break of the of the cycle. It's kind of the middle of it, and it's when your body starts to completely change the hormones. So oftentimes, once you're more in tune with your cycle, you'll be able to say, oh, my egg just dropped, i.e., I just ovulated. You'll feel a little bit of a, a twinge or a pain, and it's it's quite quick, right? And you, you could just not notice it. You could just say, ah, it's a quick cramp in the middle of your cycle. But that's the time when you'll ch- notice a change in your basal body temperature, which is your body's natural temperature in the morning. So, if you, a lot of people will use this method as a fertility method or as a preventative to get. They use
0: a, a thermometer, mm-hmm. right, to measure. So you, it's like a tiny change in, in in your 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 basal temperature.
1: Oh, it's it's absolutely minuscule. If you didn't track your temperature every day, you likely wouldn't notice it. And also, you need to make sure that the thermometer has two decimal points because it is so small of a change. Wow right? So a lot of wearables are now starting to track that or include that in their algorithms, so that you can say, oh, yeah, look at that, I ovulated. So Aura has that, I think BioStrap is starting to, um, and it's quite interesting, because then you can say, okay, look, I just ovulated, great. Now, what does that mean for me? Now, that means that my temperature is going to increase, I can probably do you know, more workouts, potentially, I also will likely see that in that second phase of my cycle, my glucose ratings are going to increase. So what we have noticed is that you in the luteal phase, which is the second phase after you ovulate, your glucose ratings are usually higher, right? So meaning you have higher insulin resistance in the second part of your cycle, meaning you really shouldn't be eating a lot of nasty foods that have a lot of sugar in them right? So going back to thinking about cravings, which a lot of women have, a lot of women have cravings in that PMS, the the week before, the reason is because your hormones are completely changing. You have a drop in estrogen, you have a drop in progesterone. And so with that, your body is saying, hold up, whoa, I don't know how to deal with this. I'm feeling very low. My neurotransmitters of serotonin and dopamine are depleted. Give me something. Give me something that's going to boost my feeling of happiness. Give me something that's going to give me that serotonin. And what do people often reach for? Food. They often reach for the sugary, carby things. And it's not actually because your body is craving it. It's because your brain is craving it. So to offset that, instead of going for the foods that are high in pizza and the doughy things and the waffles and all that stuff. Chocolate. Chocolate. Hold (laughs) up. Hold up. We'll get back to chocolate. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so instead of going for the sugary foods, try and figure out what is something else that is going to give me that boost in energy for the serotonin. So could that be Netflix and chilling with your with your significant other? Could it be, you know, cuddling with your dog? Could it be a massage, a foot rub, things like that which is going to boost that happiness feeling. Chocolate is an interesting one. So also, I'm now living in Dominican Republic, so I keep on getting smacked down between chocolate and cacao. There is a yeah. big difference between the two, and what's interesting is is that some of the research actually shows that the reason that women crave chocolate is not because they're actually craving chocolate; it's because craving their body
0: the oxytocin rush.
1: Ding, ding, ding! That's one yeah. of them.
0: Serotonin, dopamine, nitric oxide.
1: Boom, boom, boom.
0: Theobromine. I mean, I don't know about theobromine, but...
1: (laughs) And magnesium.
0: I was going to say magnesium. Yeah. Very, very calming. Very soothing. Yeah.
1: Magnesium. Cacao is very high in magnesium. Yeah. Yeah, Well, if you get
0: straight from the cacao pot, it's like a mega dose of magnesium, whereas most chocolate is not going to have anywhere near as much. I mean, if you get like a very high quality dark chocolate with a greater percentage of cacao, perhaps, but it should be good quality stuff. The other day, we actually went to the farmer's market, my girlfriend and I. For the first time ever, we had a chance to, to eat straight out of a cacao bean or capsule. I don't know what the- Pod, correct. pod. Pod, pod. There we go. <laughs> pod. So this giant cacao pod and we start eating it. And that night, I mean, I got the most amazing sleep. Like just such nice, deep, restorative sleep. We were just hanging out, having a great time. And I was like, man, it's got to be that pod that we had. Yeah. It was just so, so nice and restorative.
1: That's why people are going crazy over cacao ceremonies right now, right? Yeah. It feels good. You feel like connected and happy and it's, and it's not the nasty Hershey's
0: oh, yeah, chocolate, yeah.
1: right? We're talking about dark, wonderful, raw, live cacao that's full yeah. of magnesium. So if you're feeling like you need chocolate right before, you're, right before you menstruate, go for the cacao. Yeah, You have my total blessing for eating as much cacao. Okay, maybe not binging on it, <laughs> yeah. but you know yeah. what I mean? Because your body really is craving the magnesium. So give it that magnesium. Give it it in a, instead of a supplement form, give it in a beautiful ch- cacao bar, right? You know,
0: next time you're in Miami, I'd like to, I would love for you to try this brand of chocolate. It's called the Conscious Bar. And I actually interviewed the CEO on the podcast recently because I'm just completely blown away by this chocolate. It only has two ingredients. It's cacao and dates. Each bar uses one whole date and has an extremely low glycemic index, super, super low glycemic index, extremely high quality chocolate. The entire packaging is biodegradable. Even the sticker and the plastic wrap is like completely biodegradable. It's like... Fair trade and bean to bar—I forget the the, the terminology there—but it's like the healthiest for you, health for the planet. And I love it because women can enjoy it, and they don't have to worry about this massive peak in glycemia. You know, when you have something sweet, and typically you have this peak in glycemia. The the dates because they contain mostly fructose and have a certain amount of fiber, it actually keeps that blood glucose, the glycemia, pretty low. And then obviously the the prebiotic soluble fiber and the fat and the cacao itself. Helps to diminish that 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 spiking blood glucose as well. So my girlfriend loves it. We're good friends with the CEO, and that's something that she'll have you know throughout a couple times of the month. I mean, I mean of course, people enjoy it anytime, but she particularly enjoys it during this phase, and she 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 loves it. We love it.
1: Yeah, it's no, that awesome, sounds, that awesome, sounds awesome. I wonder where they source it from because that's another thing to keep in mind. Sourcing for for cacao, sourcing for chocolate. They're unfortunately. With any type of sourcing, with any type of food right now, right? We know that there are massive problems with GMO, with glyphosate, with pesticides, with mold, with rotting, all that kind of stuff. So, and what's happening as well is that there's a lot of high, heavy metals in chocolate, right? In, in the cacao. So whenever you're looking for, and I'm, and I'm sure that this guy that, you know, I'd love to try it. And I'm sure this guy has, has it figured out, right? But one thing, I'm a, I'm a self-proclaimed cacao addict, and I really started looking into, all right, where is my, is the source coming from? Because if there's certain countries, they just do not do enough testing, and so you'll see a lot of cadmium and arsenic and other things that, if you're trying to optimize your health, and you're eating all this cacao, you're actually hurting yourself.
0: So I'll tell you that this satisfies all of those bases they oh. are ethically sourced it's like local craft chocolate it's a premium bar single origin directly from their partners and farms in Africa the highest quality of flavors possible it's like you would love it you would absolutely love it so i didn't yeah, want to give them a late. shout out there because it's like it really just it, it'll blow you blow you away it's it's amazing amazing chocolate but anyway we kind of deviated there a bit uh, we were discussing the glycemia the glycemia and how women tend to be sort of insulin resistant, so to speak, during certain phases of their cycle.
1: Hmm. So yeah, I think, so let's go, let's talk about continuous glucose monitors and, and glucose. Sure, right?
0: absolutely. That was, yep, yep. Let's go for So
1: forward. I started looking into glucose levels, and there's a number of different companies out there. I, I wrote a quick Medium article about three companies that I tried. There's, you know, you can choose the nice thing is no longer is this only for diabetics. So a continuous glucose monitor, also known as a CGM, is something that you'll put into your arm and it'll stay there for two weeks. And there's a little tiny microfiber needle that will will go into your arm. You don't feel it at all. I've forgotten about it. I've slept on the thing. I've made you shower with it. I've gone into the ocean here with it and, and it's fine, right? And so for those two weeks, then you can test it with your phone, you know, it's attached with Bluetooth, and you can see what your what your levels are, how they change, right? So we, in general, as a population have, are seeing higher amounts of diabetes, higher amounts of obesity, higher inflammation, higher autism, higher dementia, right? And what they're seeming to link it to is sugar. So if. If in the '90s fat was the horrible thing and nobody and you know low fat everything, now we're starting to say okay, sugar is the worst thing. So who knows if we in 20 years' time we'll will have something else to say. But for now, the research seems to show that if you're eating, if your if your your glycemic index, and if your glucose levels are higher and your body is not able to get rid of that glucose or put it into your muscles or put it into your cells fast enough then you can have a higher propensity for inflammation or all of these other diseases that are caused by inflammation, right? And I know you're a big
0: fan of glucose goddess, uh, Jessie Yeah, Yeah, she's She's, she's fantastic. She's an incredible resource for women who are interested in learning more about how their blood glucose influences their health overall. I noticed that you followed her on on Instagram as well. She's an incredible, incredible resource.
1: Yeah, she's cool because, one, she makes it super easy. So glucose goddess if you guys are on Instagram, follow her, she just makes it easy, right? And she shows little things. So things that will that I never thought would have an impact. So for example, if you eat rice in the evening, or if you eat rice in the afternoon, how does that dictate, you would think, oh, there's no difference, not a big deal. In reality, we are our bodies actually follow a circadian rhythm. And so just like we think about our energy levels, with the sun and the circadian rhythm so too do our bodies change on the enzymatic reactions that we we create and how we process foods over the course of the day right so eating rice at 1 pm versus eating rice at 7 pm is going to be very very different potentially now the beautiful thing with so glucose goddess will show you these little graphs and you can see how the difference is and then the nice thing is you can do this on your own as well So if you get a CGM, usually what I'll say to people is if you're, if you're financially able to get it for a month, then I would recommend getting it for a month because then the first two weeks, you kind of just live your life. You eat what you eat. You do your thing. You don't change anything, but the app will document all of this. It'll track all of this, right? And then you start doing experiments and you start doing fun things. So you start to say, okay, well, if I eat chocolate versus cacao, What's going to be the difference? Or if I eat, so for me, for example, the thing that spiked me the highest was not chocolate, was not cacao, (laughs) was not, you know, the acai bowl, right? It was actually sushi. Really? Mm -hmm.
0: That's interesting because it's cold rice. It's got the resistant starches. They will often add a little bit of vinegar to it. There's some fiber there from the seaweed or avocado. There's fish, protein is it like a what was it is it like a unique maybe gut microbiome response or
1: for me it was i think it was a soy
0: sauce really no mm-hmm. way get out of here really
1: mm-hmm.
0: That's so what incredible. i did
1: so i did an experiment where i did it was for science purposes right i had to eat sushi 2 days in a row right <laughs> so i did the same day i mean the same time so 7 p.m i think it was on on day 1 i had it just regular just the regular, how i order. I think it was like a dragon roll, which obviously has the rice, the fish, put the regular amount of soy sauce. And the next day, I did the exact same thing, dragon roll. But instead of having soy sauce, I poured coconut oil over it. And then I had coconut aminos. So instead of having wow. the soy sauce, I had coconut aminos. And it was a night and day difference. It wow. was, I can't remember the, the difference in spikes. I'll have to look at that. But I think it was, because they give you a score, just like, Many of these wearables will so give you a score. And it was a difference between like a two, which the one is the worst, a two and a seven. Right. Wow. My body, because because I had the coconut oil, which is a the fat, then my body first kind of coated itself with that. And then it could deal with the rice because that's still obviously spiking me a little bit. And then the coconut aminos didn't spike me as well, as much as the soy sauce. So and if I can mention,
0: the, the the aminos are sort of, they're similar to soy sauce. People use it as, a, as an alternative. It's like a, the liquid, salty, people use it. Yeah.
1: Yep. Okay. Yep. Yeah, it's exactly. So soy sauce is just a little saltier. But coconut amino acids are, they come in a, in a bottle, look very similar to soy sauce. It's a little less You can less spray salty. them. I think
0: it's like a little spray bottle. <laughs>
1: you can spray them as well. They, yeah, they come in a whole bunch of different forms. There's one bottle that's you can get as a bottle, not a spray. And it has like a blue white label. I can't remember the name of it. Also, Trader Joe's has a barbecue coconut amino acid, which I am obsessed with. (laughs) And I now put on like avocados, and basically it makes anything taste incredible.
0: I'm gonna get it today. I'm gonna go to Trader Joe's today and get some.
1: Oh, send me a picture. Oh, I'll tag you on my stories. I wish I, I wish I had Trader Joe's here in Dominican Republic, but (laughs) (laughs) you know,
0: I'll ship you some
1: do please send me a box so yeah but but for me it was that difference right so i think i think with cgms the nice thing is you start seeing how these things change for you so for me that was the case right for you andres if you did the same experiment maybe it won't show up as that for me if i eat a, a banana oh that was the other thing when i eat a banana here in dominican republic versus up in boston my levels are completely different Wow. Why is that? Because my environment is going to change how my body is going to react. So, right. I, we, we forget that we are just complicated plants that move, right? We need sunlight, we need water, we need some, you know, the nutrition that we need, but we need it local. And so, our bodies are going to change based on where we are. So, that when I'm down here, I'm getting a lot of sun right? I'm getting a lot of grounding. So my body is able to burn that banana off a lot faster and a lot easier than when I'm up in a cold environment where I'm not outside.
0: And we need to give ourselves a chance to acclimate too. I mean, if you think about how we travel from place to place nowadays, you know, Boston to Dominican Republic, it's like you take a flight, all right, in a few hours, you're there in a completely different environment. Makes me think back to when I used to keep fish and like aquariums and all that stuff. And I used to do all that jazz. And so it's like you take a fish from the store and you can't just put it in the tank. It'll die immediately. Like you need to slowly over the course of maybe six to eight hours, if you're doing it right, slowly drip in some water from the tank, put it in there. The temperature acclimation is like one of the biggest things. And then you have to slowly acclimate this fish. And then even once it's acclimated in, it can, it's alive once you put it in the tank finally. It's like, all right, now it takes a couple of weeks for that fish to feel comfortable in there, to start eating properly, to sort of mingle with the other fish and I think about that every time I get on a plane. I'm like, I'm an, I'm like a fish in a bag, going from the fish store to like my new home. I need to consider this, and yeah, it's 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 unbelievable. And I think about people like you know CEOs that are constantly traveling to give speeches and presentations and webinars and all kinds of like live events. It's like, how do people do that? You know, there has to be some sort of time to acclimate. And so when you first mentioned the banana. Example, I was like, "Like, what? A banana is a banana." But I mean, it's it's true that the environment is completely different. Your 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 body responds to the environment completely differently, and then of course, we, each and every one of us has a sort of like a, a predisposition for the environments in which we thrive best. So, man, that's just absolutely that's nuts. I'm gonna yeah. start monitoring my 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 glucose and seeing how that bananas influence me.
1: It's all. It's also interesting to think. It fascinated me when I first thought about it, right? And then it makes perfect sense. Our bodies, if you, if you, if your heritage is from Africa, your body adapted to that. Your body adapted to, or, you know, anywhere close to the equator, your body adapted to that. You were able to take in more sun, right? So why do we think any different? We've grown up, unfortunately, in this environment where it's constantly, perpetually at what, 65 degrees? and and we think that we can have papayas in december in boston like no no we can't. a delicacy
0: <laughs> right
1: right exactly so when you're down here you know you change up your lifestyle and i think that that's also the the adaptability right of being able to say okay i will be keto i will fast right and if you're traveling yeah start building that into your system because you're giving your body a, a reset and able to to acclimate acclimate then when you get to that new spot, right? So, I think and, it's-
0: and if we I was going to say if we if we take this back to women and their unique biorhythms, I mean, there's so much more going on there for them when they're traveling versus men. And actually one of my follow-up questions that I had for you way back was how can and you sort of touched upon this a few times already, but how can men better understand and address their female counterparts physiological needs? And I'll just if I can if I may just preface this with Like I'm in a very loving, healthy relationship with, I I would say like the female version of me. And it's like one giant biohacking project. (laughs) Like I'm actually going to have her on the show soon to discuss that because it's like, we take it for granted, but we biohack everything about a relationship, given our love for the science and self-quantifying all that stuff. So how does the average person, non-biohacker, non-health, expert or background in physiology, whatever, how does the average person consider those needs and how do they address those needs?
1: So first off, you guys are freaks and I love it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh you you have no idea. <laughs> yeah. No, it's
1: good. It's it's good. I have a similar situation and it's it's beautiful, right? It's beautiful to be able to have those open conversations. And we're lucky. Not everybody is in that situation. Not everybody is in that boat, right? So I think First, it's, if the, if the woman is, o- is open and able to be, able to be open with her partner and, and explain what's going on, that's the first step, right? So if your, if your girlfriend wasn't able to say, Hey, this is where I'm at. This is how I'm feeling. This is what day of my cycle I'm on. This is, this is what's coming up for me. My, my breasts are tender or I'm not in a good mood or I'm, it's that, you know, being able to vocalize that. Mm-hmm. I think that that's the first step step for women to help our our male counterparts right um because we have i can say about myself i was very very nervous about even starting to open up the kimono open up that conversation because there is so much judgment and so much like oh yeah yeah you just you're making a big deal of it it's like no i'm not making a big deal of it you try and have hormones that are fluctuating every single week right so it's the woman being able to be open Explaining, really explaining and communicating what's going on, right? And not being shy about it. I think from a male counterpoint standpoint, it's also having space and holding space for her, holding space for her. And saying, Hey, I just read about this, or I'm curious about that, or do you know what day of your cycle you're on? Right? Making it a fun, a fun dialogue, you know, and removing the the squeamishness removing the the grossness of it because it is not gross we can make our minds can make anything be what we want them to be right we can either look at it as something that's dirty or remove getting out of our bodies or a nuisance we can write that story it's like you you say
0: that but it's like even then, it's like a few days out of the month where there's any sort of what could be grossness. Like it's like 90% of the month is just like hormones fluctuating. You can't even see that.
1: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Thank you. We need more of you.
0: Thank you. <laughs> well, I'm trying to, the point of this podcast is to multiply this kind of appreciation towards these things, you know? Well,
1: that's exactly it's, it. You Know Your Physio it, it, podcast. Yeah. I mean, like that's, that's it, right? On average for women, it's four to six and a half days of bleeding. That's it. Yeah. Right. The rest of the month, but the rest of the month still matters as well. Right. Because once you've ovulated, then you can start saying, okay, well, hold on. I'm not bleeding for the next two weeks, but my hormones are changing. I'm noticing that I'm more tired. I'm noticing that my cravings, I am craving more squashes and potatoes and starchy things. What's up with that? You know, so really start thinking about yourself as not as a project, because sometimes that can also become like a hypochondriac. Right. But start being curious. And I think yeah. that from a male perspective, again, just one, it's opening up the conversation. So if, if you're, if your female counterpart is not driving it and you're very curious about it, then br- bring it on yourself and say it about yourself. Like, Hey, I'm curious about this, about you. Do you feel like you are four different women? Do you feel like you, do you feel like comfortable speaking with me about this? Do you notice when you, when you ovulate, do you feel that cramp? Right. So even opening up that conversation, because it could be that your female counterpart has no idea that she is for women in one month. Right? It could be that you are more informed because of this podcast or because of other things that you've read or the Andres that you've talked about. It could be that you are more informed. Right. And so opening up the dialogue and making her feel safe, because that is one of the biggest things for women right now. And I know we don't have too much time left, but That is one thing that I I think we as women need to be better at realizing how critical safety is for us. And so, what I mean by that is we will not cycle if we don't feel safe. Our physiology won't allow for that. Why is that? That's because we only cycle when our bodies are saying we have the resources i.e. food around us and safety to be able to take care of this child. Right. So if we don't feel safe, we're not gonna cycle. So if you don't feel safe, and you know, we can we can give you as many hormones, we can give you supplements, we can do all these things. But one of the critical factors that we don't talk about enough is do you feel safe?
0: And unfortunately the way that the world works now, most of the time, I mean the environment is just sort of built around neglecting that in a way this man's world that we described, which I would, by the way, as far as that topic goes, I think it'd be fascinating to really dive deep on that in the future. I'd love to have you back on. I'll just say that. And I think that's something that we can totally dive deep on. And absolutely with you on the safety, I think that we take this back maybe a year ago. I knew that there was something going on. And I was always curious about the female biorhythm, but I didn't really have the words to start that conversation. I didn't know what kind of questions to ask. I had this sort of curiosity, and I think with men who don't have the traditional scientific background or maybe just don't appreciate this for what it is, just have some space and hold some compassion because maybe your partner, maybe they don't appreciate it, and maybe it's not a matter of whether or not they talk about it. Maybe they, they just don't understand why it's important to talk about it. I think a lot of guys my age, for example, they think, okay, a woman's either on her period or off her period, mm-hmm. and, and I'll tell you what, I think a lot of women are have a similar perspective. They're like, all right, I'm either on my period or I'm off my period. Yeah. You know, it's like it's like what are the hormones doing? Where am I along the cycle? How can I use it to my advantage? And
1: or so go ahead.
0: yeah. Well, or I was going to say I, yeah. Sorry, go ahead, go, go, go ahead. No, no, no. Go for it. Go for it.
1: <laughs> I was going to say I think the other thing is a lot of women will say I don't want to have a period.
0: Oh, it's a, that's it's a nuisance. Yeah. yeah, I
1: don't. I don't feel comfortable. So I'm actually really happy not to have my period. So you know what? I'm going to take birth control so I don't have a period.
0: That's right? that's something that I did want to touch upon because I think a lot of women are now sort of like, they've been reinforced into that mindset of maybe I need to be more like a man. Maybe I need to do whatever it takes to to be more like a man. Have I don't want to deal with my period. I would just want to have that consistency. I want to be in the workforce. I want to work corporate. I want to be treated like a man. And then I think, and this is a little controversial, but I think maybe a lot of feminism could be tied to that. And, and I think there could be sort of like a, that sort of I mean women that that feel strongly about being having better representation in the work environment, but then also with that neglecting their unique biorhythm. So it's beautifully like,
1: said. Beautifully said. Thank you. I mean, <laughs> it is a controversial topic, and it's and I would agree. I would absolutely agree. I again I worked in management consulting. It's a man's man's world. I was in mergers and acquisitions, even more so. It was cutthroat, it was intense. Yeah. It was, you're in the office at seven in the morning, you're closing up your laptop and then you pass out at 11, right? And you're working. So if I had to deal with a period or hormones, oh, no way. No, thank you. I would much rather just put a pause on that button and in 10 years or 15 years when I want to have a kid, okay, I'll unpause it. That's the mentality. That is the mentality. And that is so erroneous. And so many women unfortunately have that because there is this desire to for, to, to go forth in, in corporate America, right? Or get to the top. And I need to be focused and I need to be, and also I don't have time to get pregnant. I don't want to get pregnant. So you know what? I want to be able to have sex just like, just like men do and not have the potential negative side effects of getting pregnant. (laughs) right so it it makes sense I don't fault women for it it makes perfect sense and if you are very focused on your career then I understand why women would say I'm just going to secure my next five years I'm going to make sure I'm going to do whatever I have in my control not to get pregnant now the things that the things that people don't realize and there's an amazing book by Dr. Sarah Hill it's called birth control in the brain Please, please, please read that book if you're a female on your on birth control or any contraception. And men too. Because the thing is, this is not just a problem or a thing for women. No, men is,
0: absolutely need to be literate with this kind of language and this kind of conversation. Absolutely. Yeah,
1: yeah and it's because it is, it's a it's a mutual partnership and a decision for the partnership. What they're finding is that women, when they're on the pill, especially because our brains change until age 25. So if you've been on the pill from age 15 onwards, which a lot of women Lately have been because they have serious menstrual cramps or they have PCOS or endometriosis or things like that and they're getting advice from doctors to say, okay, you have extra hair on your body, for example, and therefore, if you take the pill, that's going to give you external hormones and that's going to remove the hair, right? That's going to lower your testosterone and therefore, you won't have hairy nipples or hairy hair on your face or things like that. Yes, that is absolutely going to happen or it can help but it's a band aid. And what's more is that they're finding reverberating effects down the line with respect to mental health. So, you're securing something for the immediate term, but could it be that potentially down the line there could be negative side effects. What they're also finding is that you're attracted to different partners when you're on the pill versus when you're off it. So, you could be with your partner and be attracted to him. But then when you come off the pill, you're no longer attracted to him. So funny, a funny thing that happens of wait, I'm taking the pill to be able to have sex, for example. And yet then I don't want to have sex with my partner. It's so backwards, right? So there's much more to the story with with Dr. Sarah Hill. So please, please, please read her book. And I actually did a podcast with her as well. So listen to that. If you you don't want to read it, you can listen to it.
0: Yeah, we'll look, I'll be sure to link that to the show notes. And sure. I wanted to quickly mention. By the way, we have some extra time that we can work with. Sure. I'll share just briefly that my 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 girlfriend she suffered with birth control a couple of years back, and after she stopped taking it, it still continued to really take away from her personal health and well being. And I think that's what drove her to become so in a way just driven to uncover her personal health and understand her physiology. And you know, now she's doing her biorhythm course with with you guys. So yeah. So and of course, like I mentioned, we have this sort of biohacking between us that we do. and, And I'll tell you that as far as her passion for this and my passion for wanting to learn more more about physiology in general, I mean we've created now this sort of beautiful relationship where we can cater to each other's needs and then find that sort of middle ground when it makes sense and just completely enjoy one another for the best versions of ourselves and and support each other in that way. So for example, and so I mentioned this because we've talked about how important this is, but now I want to, if we can, describe the benefits on a male and a female, male and female perspective. So I'll I'll start with my perspective, just how much I enjoy being able to do this and understand this. And then if you could maybe share from your perspective. Sure. So For example, when it comes to deciding what we're going to (laughs) eat, which is like one of the most difficult things when you're in a relationship, like what are we going to eat? What makes sense? You know, macronutrients considered, type of food considered. I think that's just huge. Making decisions about when is a good time of the month to be very careful about using protection and having safe sex and what times of the month is it? the safest and most enjoyable. And when does it make the most sense? Then everything from when does it make more sense to maybe work on stress management together or consider the need for stress management between us or maybe better sleep. So we're very good about sleep. We have a very similar sort of circadian rhythm. We both monitor our biometrics with BioStrap. And so we're very, very, very on top of all that, of the biometrics. And And yeah, we quantify ourselves, but then sort of how being together actually influences each other. Like I will make, I will set the temperature in my room a little differently when we're together because of our body heat. Mm-hmm. I actually will turn it down at like 62 degrees. Whereas if I'm alone, at 65 and I get the same percentage of deep sleep. Whereas if I set it to 62 when I'm alone, it's way too cold. If I set it just above, it's like way too hot. So it's like, there's so, 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 so much. And it really it makes the relationship just so enjoyable. We can appreciate the best out of each other. We understand each other, and we're open and very communicative about it. So it's just like, when my, from my perspective, just like the ultimate appreciation for one another, the ultimate way to love each other, really fully understanding each other down to like our science. I you know that I'm a freak and she's a freak, <laughs> but it just works so well. It's so lovely. It's so we feel we're like so intertwined, and it just makes sense.
1: I. I say freak with love. <laughs> yeah, yes.
0: <laughs> no, yes, it's, absolutely. it's beautiful.
1: It's, it's absolutely beautiful that you guys have that. And I think so many more people would do better if they had what you guys have, right? And it stems down to communication. And it's because you guys are both interested and open to learning and and willing to adapt and change. Because that's what it comes down to as well, right? If you have this information, that's great. But if you're not going to do anything about it and yeah. you're not going to change anything about it, like you on that could easily be like, wow, well, okay, great. That's cool. So you're on day 18 of your cycle, but I want to eat this, right? Yeah, you could. And for your physiology, maybe that would be the best thing. But because you're able to be more adaptable then you guys, it it brings you two together and closer together rather than causing strife and pulling you apart. And her saying, yeah. no, I need this and you need this and therefore go eat on your own, right?
0: I just think it's so horrible to feel misunderstood you yeah. know, as a human being, especially when you're around people that you love and care about. Like Feeling misunderstood to me is, is just chaos. And just being able to take this information, apply it, and it benefits her as much as it benefits me. Mm-hmm. It's like I... It's like you you get this sort of like re- that reflection, right? The more curious you are, the more open you are, the better that your partner can be for themselves and for you, and the better that the relationship is, the more that you can thrive. And in fact, I'm so obsessed with it. I don't want to say obsessed. I'm so curious about this now that I'm actually going to be getting the the certification in female biorhythms in February. Nice. And and I'm re- reading Alyssa Beatty's book. Yeah. So- I mean, I just, I love learning about it. I see just how amazing it's been for our relationship. And I invite other men to do the same, to be curious, to be open, to be communicative. And yeah, that's it for, for me on my end. But if you want to share on your end what it's like to feel like you can have this conversation with your significant other to open up, what's, what's that been like for you?
1: Oh my gosh. It's a game changer. It's been a game changer. I mean, my significant other, he's, I've never been in a situation where I can, I am so open and able to communicate everything, right? That's also a, a, been a journey on my end and feeling like I, whatever I do, whatever is going to be accepted, right? And so I think that the discussion, and maybe this is something that I'm kind of exploring this as I say it, but by being able to have these discussions with People that we're intimate with, or the people who are who we love, we have to be vulnerable. And right now, with women, with, I can say for myself, I can only speak my own right, my own truth. But I find it very difficult to be vulnerable because that, in the corporate world or in what we've been trained, is is something to be cautious of. Because if you're vulnerable, then therefore somebody can hurt you, right? And in reality, when we're thinking about female health, we as women are only going to be able to get to that optimal level when we give up control. And that is a very, very, very controversial thing to say, because I think so many women will would come at me and say that's ridiculous. You know, you have to Cheryl Salzburg or whatever her name is, Sharon, um, lean in and and just fight for it and go for it. And it's like in reality, our truth is giving up control so that the men around us can help protect us or they can help be there for us. And that's not a position of weakness. That's a position of strength. Softness is also strength. And I think when women become, and I, I'll circle back to your question, forgive me for kind of going off tangent, but when we realize that that soft, like when we track our cycles and when we realize that we change, and that there are certain weeks of the month that we are more boom boom boom, and let's go, and you know i've 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 got more drive, and that the weeks when we're not the weeks that we are softer are also very strong weeks, because those weeks are ones where, for me, for example, I'll review the month right i'll I'll sit back and i'll I'll journal more, I'll meditate more, I will. Kind of think forward. I'll plan more. I'll think forward instead of doing the the. I'm gonna go and like you know do everything. I will have more of a contemplative couple of days, and that also is needed. (laughs) We need that. Is a strong thing that every one of us needs. And so I think by for me at least by me learning to track my cycle, the ongoing effects was that one I became more secure. And being soft, which was huge <laughs> for me, massive. And then I was able to impart that to my partner and be able to have that dialogue to say, hey, listen, because I am able to, because because I know that you are going to protect me. And I don't mean that of like against a wild boar, you know, I mean that, I mean that more on, kind of on the metaphysical side of things. I know that I can be soft. And I know that I can tell you that this week, I'm going to need to be a little softer. And you're going to be okay with that. You know what? You're going to cook more food, which is great, by the way. That's awesome. Being able to be like, hey, I just don't have energy for anything this week. You got it. (laughs) I love
0: taking on that responsibility.
1: And see, there we go. That's the dialogue. of like, You just said it. Men want to be there for us. Right? We... As women oftentimes like, no, no, I got this. I got this. And, and it's, and we think that that's a badge of honor. <laughs> we all, we think, oh yeah, because I've got it all and he doesn't have to do anything or then that's why he's attracted to me. No chance. It's actually being able for the man to be the, the knight in shining armor and be able to say, Hey, oh wow, I can be there to support you. Yeah. I'm, that is my role. I can step into that.
0: I I wrote this down earlier today while I was meditating, and I thought it would be appropriate to share on this podcast. And it's that there is a unique lifestyle that best corresponds to our physiology, and we can actually leverage that to achieve optimal health, high performance, a longer lifespan. And I'm going to share something semi-controversial here, but it's it it's sort of like a off of what you were saying.
1: I like controversial.
0: Yeah, me too. I'm angry, actually. <laughs>
1: We actually get somewhere. I wish that there was. <laughs> I wish that there was somebody who could be like the Jordan Peterson for women.
0: Oh my goodness! Well, his daughter is doing. Uh, and his daughter's she's whatever.
1: <laughs> Mi- I'm like, yeah. I know Michaela. She's cool. Yeah, but she's not doing. Well, she is. I guess a little bit, but not really.
0: Yeah. Not that, not not enough. I, but I I hear I know what you're trying to say. Yeah, and his daughter, she sort of like just feeds off of his thing for men in a way. Yeah.
1: Like, I guess, what's her name? Esther Perel kind of has it.
0: I'm not familiar with her.
1: Esther Perel, cool. She's probably Jordan's age, and she talks a lot about, like, intimacy, and radical communication, and, like, dare to be brave kind of a thing. I think it's her book. Dare to be bold. That's what it was. But she she does, she doesn't hit enough, in my opinion, on the hey, we've got it wrong, (laughs) right? For women. But she does you, you you and your you and your girlfriend might be interested in learning, listening and learning about her.
0: I'm gonna write S- that down. What's Esther her What's Perrell. her name? Esther P- Perel.
1: P E R E L. I think it is.
0: So I wanted to share with you that this morning I was meditating, and this thought came to mind that I thought would be appropriate to share on this podcast, and it's that there is a unique lifestyle that best corresponds to our physiology, which we can leverage for optimal health, high performance a longer, more fulfilling lifespan. And I think that a lot of women are, they neglect this because they aspire to be more like men to sort of fit into this environment. And that's the sort of approach. That, and I know this is controversial. But that's the sort of approach that a lot of women have been taking towards feminism, which I touched upon earlier. Whereas I think that motherhood should be aspirational and really appreciating your unique physiology. That is a strength. I think physiological intuition is a strength. I think it's a true, real strength. And I think you can be as much for feminism and as passionate about it and as much. It's its really, in my opinion, the ultimate feminism. If you really are for women, then you should be less like men. You shouldn't give in to the sort of men's world sort of perspective, but rather the critical role that women play and just how beautiful it is to appreciate that biorhythm, to communicate it, to be open about it, and to sort of help create a world where Everyone can appreciate this as a whole. So.
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think I wish that there would be something, maybe I'll create it, but I wish that there was some coaching program or something where we could talk to younger girls and say, listen, (laughs) you can choose many things in this life, right? If you want to be the CEO, we're in this day right now where you can be the CEO. Right. And that's fantastic. But also be aware that physiologically, we have a different timeline. And that timeline is finite. Maybe in two, three generations, it won't be. But right now, even if you freeze your eggs, right, that's not a guarantee. That is not a hundred percent. It could happen. It could be that it works and everything's great, but don't rely on that. So if you really, you know, if your age 21, right? You just got out of college, you're starting your job, you know that you want to, whatever it is, whatever you want to do. My question would just be, have you thought about whether you want, how you want to create? I think that's the question. It's not whether you want to create, it's how do you create? And that is a question for men and women, right? Creation is what we are here for. That creation could be Of a little being (laughs) or multiple. You could have children, that is a form of creation. Another form of creation is having a podcast, is having a business, is writing a book. All of those are forms of creation, and they all require time and effort and planning and energy, right? So for women, it just becomes a little bit more complicated because the gestational period of that creation is a little longer, (laughs) right? And there are years that that project, if you will, if we're, if we're talking in that terminology, that continues. And so there are other effects. But I wish that there was somebody who had told me, because I'm now 34 years old, right? And in a year's time, I would be considered a, what's it called? I can't remember the word now. Geriatric pregnancy, if I were to have a child. So 35 years onwards is a old pregnancy, right? So. That is something that women may not know. They may not be aware that sometimes certain women can start perimenopause in their 40s. So there are women who can get pregnant in their 50s, in their 60s, sure. But also, what is the type of pregnancy that they'll have? It is difficult to maintain that pregnancy. It is also difficult to bear a child. That is that is a an epic thing to do. And then... Continue and care for him or her for year for decades, right? So I just wish that you're completely right. And I love that you said it of, you know, if you want to be more in your feminine, or more, and if you are a feminist, then be aware of your own biorhythm and be aware that, that there is power in that. I completely agree. I just wish, I wish that it wasn't an either or and it doesn't necessarily have to be an either or, but I think with women, the difference with us and the nuance with us is that timing is of the essence. And you don't necessarily have to do it's not an either or, but the best time to get pregnant are in the earlier decades of your life rather than later decades.
0: And that's why it's so critical to appreciate this as early on as possible. Mm-hmm. So Dasha, before we finish up here, I wanted to ask you about your retreats. And yeah, what is that? What are the what do they entail? And what are they all about?
1: Thank you. Thanks for asking. Yeah, I'm very excited about this. And so I moved down to Dominican Republic in February and I fell in love with the vitality and the health that is available here. And so I would like to bring that to women. So after starting WealthCo, WealthCo is an online platform. I noticed that online platforms are great. You can ask questions, but you don't really get to try these things on yourself. And I think one of the biggest things about About health is try it. Try it, try it, try it, try it. Experiment on yourself. And if you're nervous, then try it with a group, right? So, what we're doing is we're going to be starting to have women's biohacking retreats down here in the Dominican Republic, which is a very quick flight. And literally, you're in paradise. And it's a 20 minute, I feel like I'm selling it, but it's just, you can enjoy papaya
0: and banana. You won't spike your blood glucose.
1: Yes, yes. But the but the key of, of these retreats is you get to learn about yourself in an environment with other like-minded women, and you get to try the product. So before you come, we're experimenting with either before you come, you can do your labs, so a number of health labs, and we will then read them for you when you're here. Or when you get here and or, you can also do a live blood analysis. So that gives you a snapshot of what's going on. And then over the course of the five days, we're then going to be explaining different lifestyle changes. So you're going to get to try a fast. If you've never done a fast, you're going to try it with us. And we will coach you through that. If you've never done an ice bath, you're going to jump into an ice bath, right? So all of these things that we see all these influencers doing that could be scary for us, or we don't know, wait, should I jump into an ice bath or not? Well, now we can be informed about your labs. And we can say, hey, actually, you're really sitting in a stressful situation, so you should not be adding more stress to your body, right? And so with the retreats, labs, workshops, and then you get to live down here as well and try all the different technology that you would have tried at these conferences, but a lot of these conferences are now canceled. So each of the retreats, it's going to be myself leading it as well as a co-host who is either a doctor or a researcher or a fellow health coach. So the first one is going to be coming up. We might do one ahead of this in February. But the first one that's confirmed for sure, is going to be in March, March 25th until the 30th. And I'm going to be doing that with Natalie Nidham. She is an incredible friend and so knowledgeable about about longevity and peptides. So I'm just I'm giddy just to get to spend time with her as well. So yeah, more information. I'll send you guys a link, but
0: yeah, we'll add it to the show notes.
1: Yeah. Thanks. Thanks and, for asking.
0: Yeah. And that's, that's really wonderful that you, I mean, this is beautiful. What a beautiful project. I think it, I, I wanted to highlight way back in the earlier portion of this conversation, just that setting that foundation, right? Because that's, that's ultimately what you need if you're going to approach any sort of biohacking, any sort of testing and trials and error. And you need to have the sort of foundation set. And so to really start to develop that physiological intuition, you, you need to have the testing, you need to have experts on board. And so you guys provide that in this sort of super immersive, wonderful experience. And then from there, women can feel good about that intuition, and they can make decisions accordingly. I'm a yeah. huge believer in that we need to set that foundation first. And sometimes it requires outsourcing that help to experts doing the testing before we proceed on our own personal health evolution journey.
1: Yeah, there's a phrase by a mentor of mine, Dr. Naysha Winters. She always says, test, assess, address, don't guess. Nice. And I love it because I was the classic case of, oh, yeah, I just read about magnesium. I'm definitely deficient in magnesium. I need to take magnesium. And then not knowing whether my body actually needed it or not. And I see it time and time and time again. And if you don't test it, and you don't spend that initial money to, to get those tests done. You have no idea what's happening under the hood. And so if you test, then you can actually know, wait, if I take ashwagandha, is that actually going to do something for me genetically? Given, given my genetic adaptation or mutations, in my case. No. So when I did my gene profile, I got to see that if I should take ashwagandha, I am literally spending money for no reason because my body will not take it.
0: Blind biohacking.
1: Blind biohacking and not in a good way. Blind <laughs> yeah. biohacker is a fantastic friend and a good guy. Oh, I,
0: a- <laughs> oh I'm, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I had no idea that was like a, someone's username. Or, no, or, he's, he's you know. great
1: and you should have him on your podcast. So, oh, Victor, not not on you. You should be here at some point. But bio- <laughs> biohacking All right, let, me, let me rephrase that.
0: Biohacking blindly, not <laughs> There blind. you go. Yeah, okay.
1: Redo, there redo, go. redo. Go ahead.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's biohacking blindly, not biohacking blindly.
1: Correct. There we go. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, Lovely. come on down. We would love to have anybody join us here in Dominican Republic. And after the retreat, there's also going to be... And each of the retreats is slightly different. But with this one, we're going to include a month of health coaching, uh, group health coaching afterwards.
0: Wow. That is, man, huge congratulations to your team. That's really, I wish I was, I mean, I wish I could make it over and it's, I mean, obviously I can't, but maybe my girlfriend will. I mean, I'm sure she'll, she's be interested in joining you guys. And I know my mom's been super interested in this stuff as well, you know, being now experiencing menopause and such, and I'm sure she could use this kind of real in-depth approach and developing this understanding of her unique biorhythm and her health. Yeah. So and, and thank you so much.
1: Thank you. Thank you. And 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 I do wanna say just thank you for being so open on this. Like you're you are what we should have more men be like, of of being curious and intrigued by this and then spreading the word as well. Because the more that your male counterparts know about this, the better we are going to be. And so if we all kind of there's that phrase, right? The rising tide lifts all boats. And if our men know this, know this information, and we can have the conversations, then there can be more relationships like what you and your girlfriend have more communication, instead of just hiding away. So thank you for spreading the information. And if any of the listeners listening are interested for your moms, for your for your partners, please feel free to forward it around as well.
0: That means the absolute world to me. Thank you for I mean, I'm just so honored and it's been a pleasure to host you and to have this kind of conversation. And for the men tuning in, let's step up. Let's be more open about this. Let's ask good questions. Let's hold that sort of compassion towards our female counterparts and let's really uplift each other and spread the sort of female divine feminine, so to speak, and appreciate one another for our unique biorhythms. So thank you so much, Dasha. It was such a pleasure hosting you and I look forward to having you back on the show very soon.
1: That was fun. Thanks.
0: So that's all for today's show. Thank you so much for tuning in today for all of the show notes, including clickable links to anything and everything that we discussed today, everything from discount codes to videos, to research articles, books, tips, tricks, techniques. And of course, to learn more about the guest on today's episode, all you have to do is head to my website, undressprachel.com. That's A-N-D-R-E-S-P-R-E-S-C-H-E-L.com and go to podcasts. You can also leave your feedback, questions, and suggestions for future episodes, future guests, so on and so forth. Thanks again for tuning in and I'll see you on the next one. Have a lovely rest of your day.